0: Welcome back listeners, I am Jerry Maguire and I'm here with Anne McLaughlin, my co-host who also happens to be the MP for Glasgow North East. Hi Anne.
1: Hi Jerry. hi everybody. Hello.
0: It's been a long time since we last went Parliamental, mm. so let's get cracking. Okay. Okay, first of all, I want to talk about my favourite newspaper, your favourite newspaper too, <laughs> The Daily Mail. Okay. Oh, the, that favourite newspaper. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, it's beautiful, right? Now before we get into the stuff about psychoactive substances, before mm-hmm. we get into that, I want to quickly give you the Daily Mail version. Of this okay okay now i was reading the daily mail as I always do yeah um and it said headline snp mp claims her rastafarian boyfriend has been denied its human rights to smoke cannabis <gasps> now at this point you can feel the heat you know you can hear you can hear you know the heat rising mm-hmm. off this article mm-hmm. you can feel like oh there's gonna be i'm gonna be really angry about this article <laughs> then they say Anne mclaughlin calls for needs of rastafarians to be taken into account and she said that drug laws needed to reflect their religious and spiritual beliefs Okay, right. Okay, right. And here's the real kick in the teeth, right? Mm-hmm. They had a little segment called "The Wit and Wisdom of the SNP's and McLaughlin." I really? Thought this is what they're going so go right to you. I thought they're going to go right through this. you here, right? So here's the wit and wisdom. One, I'm probably the only speaker here today whose partner is rastafarian, right? Um, <laughs> those that are of a middle class background can partake in illicit substances in their university days without ever jeopardising their future career, right? Mm-hmm. Um, rastafarian <laughs> juice of cannabis is part of their religious and spiritual beliefs. Cool. Correct. And where where are my civil liberties if I choose to do that because it's part of my religious beliefs? So how does it feel to be really torn apart, there, Anne? <laughs> really, really, the wit and wisdom, at Anne McLaughlin. I mean, that's I mean that's a hatchet job, if I'm
1: honest. I know. Well, I've got to say, I mean, there is a you you're helping me to see the funny side of it, but it really upsets some of my family members who. Could do with not being upset at the moment. The reason is they went on and read the Daily Mail comments. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually read it. Um, I heard about it. I got a lot of abuse about it for claiming that my uh, boyfriend's rights were being, his human Mm -hmm. rights were being abused. But, you know, what I actually said was, as they have quoted there, that I'm probably the only speaker in this debate whose partner is Rastafarian. Mm -hmm. Then I said... Probably fact. He's probably the only Rastafarian who doesn't touch cannabis. That that didn't make it in. Didn't Didn't make make it it in, really. Yeah, I didn't think it had. Certainly didn't tie in with the headline. Um, And it it was really quite upsetting for him as well because it's that sort of... um, racist attitude that if you're black you're into drugs Mm -hmm. and he gets it a lot and he's fought a lot against it and I probably should never have mentioned him but it didn't occur to me I was trying to make a a reasonable point in actual fact what I was doing was my job was to sum up in that debate it was a Westminster Hall debate it was a come through a petition that had been brought Hundreds of thousands of people signed it and lots of people in this constituency, my role as the civil liberty spokesperson for the SNP was to sum up the debate. So I was summing up the arguments on both sides. Mm-hmm. I wasn't concluding mm-hmm. with anything. And I was saying, this is what the people who want it for medical reasons say. This is what the people who want it for religious reasons say. Um, and the Daily Mail, no fine well what I was saying, but yeah
0: we talked about the comments I didn't, the Daily Mail comments are obviously like a complete car crash and horrible mm. but when that story first went up I jumped on it and the mm. first comments even from the Daily Mail readers at the start were like what? and? but I loved that the wit and wisdom of Anne McLaughlin mm. and I thought oh, she's going to said some daft stuff here this is going to be good Anne's going to have been you know, quoted a half joking comment taken seriously no it was just facts it was just
1: and yet there are so many witty and wise things that I've said that they could have picked up on I know
0: they missed out <laughs> Next thing I want to talk about, Anne, is I was scrolling through Facebook the other night when I clocked that you are having an evening with Anne McLaughlin. Now, I didn't know you could sing. <laughs> so, what is this? Is this like a wee, next to the piano? Like, what's I'm happening? I'm
1: slightly worried about the marketing there, because it's not an evening, it's an <laughs> afternoon. Um, I, I'm assuming you're talking about the event we've got next Saturday, the 7th of November. So, basically, I had said during the election that I would be the most accessible MP that they've ever had. And I I gave examples of what I meant by that because it's easy to say it. And one of the things I said I would do is six months on from winning, which Saturday the 7th of November is exactly six months, I would have the first of my regular public meetings where people can come, hear me report back to them what I've done in their name, on their behalf, to fight for the constituency in my six months, and answer any questions that, that they've got.
0: Well, it's, it's on Eventbrite. People know mm-hmm. Eventbrite. You can see it on Anne's Facebook page, but you also mm-hmm. if you go to eventbrite.co.uk and search for Anne McLaughlin, you'll find it. So walk us through it. What's it going to be?
1: Basically, I've got a, a really experienced trainer, facilitator coming in. She, she works in community development, and all of my staff will be there as well. And after we've had the the initial bit where they question me um we're going to get into groups and talk about the future of glasgow northeast to so talk about the communities within the area and what we want to see happening um i'm not going to talk at that point i'm going to go around the groups and i'm going to listen um but each group will have somebody within it who's going to take notes um and then i can you know they'll feed back at the end of the day, but basically they'll be talking about whatever they want to talk about. So if people come along, I've no doubt there will be people coming along who will want to talk about the state of the parks and the community facilities in Glasgow North East because they'd be absolutely right so there will be a group talking about that I've no doubt about that but there'll be people wanting to talk about jobs there'll be people maybe wanting to talk about health there'll be people maybe wanting to talk about um I don't know there are problems with unemployment and and low incomes in the area so basically I want to hear and I want this to be the start of an ongoing relationship with the people of Glasgow North East there's lots of ways they can get in touch with me but to sit down and spend the afternoon hearing what they want is really important to me and I don't know how often I'll be having it but i will have it regularly the reason i don't know is because it's it's an awful lot of work pulling it all together it's also quite a bit of money you know hiring venues bringing people in to facilitate it so i need to assess it once we've done it but however often we do it we'll make sure it's worthwhile and and i just want people to know that i'm there and i'm listening and i'm going to act on what they tell me
0: essentially you've got a really interesting structure in place for that Mm. in my head it was like a ring of seats and you you know sort of in the back question time style but you're gonna like really foster debate and get people having a having a chat tables and so it's not just you talking to them it's you listening to them as well which sounds quite cool
1: i think that's really really important but uh, going back to what you said at the beginning if people request a song well who am i to (laughs) deny them jerry
0: i think you could end on a song i'm just gonna put that (laughs) out there i might i mean if i attend i might put that in the the suggestion box. you're not allowed in all right okay (laughs) i want to talk really briefly about an amazing moment for scottish labor mm-hmm and that was, did you see Kezia Dugdale's big moment on Question Time in Edinburgh?
1: <laughs> I saw it on Facebook. I, I got in a bit late from London, so I missed it, but I saw it on Facebook. It was absolutely
0: brutal. Oh. It was um, just to describe it, if you've not seen it, so go on YouTube and have a and have a laugh. Uh, look, Kezia Dugdale gives a big, you know, like rousing speech. and You can see this, you know, the salt house fluttering behind her. People are, <laughs> you know, it's beautiful. And um Silence. Oh, no one no. even batted an eyelid. It looks like a joke. Even David Dimbleby felt awkward. I uh, had to move on.
1: I think he said something about silence. Yeah, it's like about... oh, oh well, that didn't go very well. Uh,
0: next question at the back. It was it was beautiful. Someone's done a little. I don't know if you watch Shooting Stars in the nineties. Oh, I loved Shooting in, Stars. Someone's dubbed in that like oh, like I... wind <laughs> and the church bell thing and all that. So it's great. It.
1: Oh, I feel really bad though. I feel for her. I mean, on a personal <laughs> level, not a political yeah. level, mm-hmm. but that that's quite embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It's like
0: if I once felt sorry for Nick Griffin. If I felt a moment of sorrow for it, he was on question time getting mm. torn apart <laughs> and he deserved to get torn apart, but he started to develop. But you could see he was squirming in the seat. And yeah. I, felt, I was like, oh, that poor man, I want him to run away. <laughs> so if I can feel a moment sorrow for Nick Griffin, I, I can feel sorry feel for Kezia uh, <laughs> Now, you asked a question at PMQ's about child poverty, which, mm-hmm. like, to be honest, I was really shocked. You mentioned there's like 38% shocking, child poverty in that area. Mm. Like, it was a really shocking figure. So you asked David Cameron about it. Um, What was his response?
1: Well, it was quite funny. At the time, I couldn't hear his response because the the Tories were too busy shouting at me. Mm -hmm. Um, Or worrying. Making their animal noises. Um, I think basically, I mean, what I was saying to him was that, yeah, as you said, 38% rate of child poverty which is double the uk average in this constituency and that there are so many people working hard within the constituency now you've got a very limited amount of time what you can say, and initially i'd been going to say there are people working hard and then there are people working hard to find employment because i don't like making that distinction i think you can be working hard without being in receipt of a wage but I, i had to cut it down so i was talking about people who were working hard and in receipt of tax credits. They were going to lose those tax credits. And I was just asking him to guarantee, given the rate of child poverty in the constituency, that a year from now, no child in this constituency would be worse off. And I was asking him for a personal guarantee on that. And his response seemed to be um, how great they'd been at getting people in this constituency into employment and how surely it was far better that people were in employment than relying on benefits, which was ridiculous because if you're on tax credits, you are in employment. So we're not talking about people who are unemployed. We're talking about people who are already in employment and they're working their backsides off and they can't afford to make ends meet and he's going to take a couple of thousand pounds off them a year, and it's going to cripple them. I'm really worried about people. Um, and I thought his answer, when I did eventually hear it later on when it was uh, shown on TV, I thought it was pathetic.
0: If employment, if in his in his narrative that employment's you know improving and this is a good thing or moving, mm-hmm. you know people are getting more jobs, etc., then that's even more worrying that child poverty's still so high. The one thing to say that if there was lower employment yep. and child poverty was increasing, but that's even worse. If people are still yeah. in jobs and that's what the child poverty levels exactly. are at, then that's even worse.
1: Exactly, and it must be so soul destroying particularly, I mean, for everyone, not just, again, I don't like making the distinction between families with children and and families that don't have children. Uh, I don't have children myself, and it always used to annoy me when people go, oh, families with kids, and I would think, yeah, well, we're all struggling as well. But it must be really soul-destroying when you're working hard and you can't afford to give your kids the things that they need, even though you're going out to work every day, and you must wonder, what is the point? Um, So, yeah, I didn't like his answer, but I wasn't expecting to get an answer I would like anyway. Mm.
0: Now, it's fitting, we're recording this on Halloween, it's fitting that we talk Mm. about evil. Mm. Because evil is coming to the land. We've got a speaker soon to be able to decide English-only legislation. To play devil's advocate for a minute, what's so bad about that?
1: You know, I understand the principle that they don't want MPs elected to represent Scotland legislating on something that is only going to affect England. So that would be, for example, health, because... Health is devolved to the Scottish Parliament and MSPs decide on that. So why should and I understand that, but they've just brought it in understanding orders. They've not I mean, what did we have to do to get our Scottish Parliament? What did we have to do to get those that legislation devolved to this country? You know, why why did we have to fight for all those decades, then have a referendum, then get a Scottish Parliament? They should be going through the same process because going through that process, you can then scrutinise the legislation. Um, it gets scrutinised twice, well, more than twice, but, you know, by two different houses, even if one of them is an unelected House of Lords. And then, and you can you can engage with the public on what they actually want. But instead, they've just decided to make us effectively second class MPs on account of our Scottishness.
0: Yeah. They um they also I mean obviously in terms of funding given to the Scottish Parliament etc is, is defined as a percentage of English budgets yep. so even though it's not a Scottish issue mm-hmm. it actually it, you know it really is a Scottish issue for oh, for yeah. things like
1: that I mean even if you use the example that I've just used of health if they're talking about if they're debating um, something that impacts on the amount of money they spend on health and that amount of money is going to reduce then. Uh, the amount of money coming to the the health service in Scotland will automatically reduce. And and nobody, you know, the speaker alone will decide whether or not it's uh, something that we should be allowed to participate in. Um, although he made quite an interesting statement this week and said that he hoped that the house would bear with him as it went through its experimental phase. So we'll see what that means.
0: It's been well thought through. We're not performing <laughs> just a live experiment.
1: I'm discovering that there's an awful lot of things, bills and everything, that are not well thought through. They're just rushed through. And um, But that was terrible. It didn't even go through as... As a as a bill, it was just a change to standing mm. orders. I think it
0: also shows as well that people if you're of a nationalist bent um, that there's a perception that Westminster is really an English Parliament. Mm. It's not even not even rep- not even representative of people in England necessarily, yeah, but yeah. it is definitely an English Parliament. And that, you know, a little bill can pass and it becomes an English Parliament in some yeah. days. That that shows how how much it is an English Parliament just now.
1: Yeah, um, because I mean, when we I mean I spoke in the the, the debate at, um, a couple of months ago about it, and I was saying you know that. As I said just there, we've we've gone through all this in Scotland, you know. So get your own English Parliament by all means, but but go through the process and speak to people about what they actually want. And I got. Really strange looks, and I think looks. my interpretation of those looks was, but this is the English Parliament, (laughs) because that's how they see it. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. that just happens to legislate on things that affect the whole of Britain.
0: And as um, Owen Thompson tweeted, um, the Tories ended the Union today. Not SNP, not the people of Scotland. I know. Um, Which is interesting that Cameron turned out to be a huge English nationalist. I know. Nationalism bad.
1: I mean, I would far rather that people saw the light and as i see it in terms of you know why scotland needs to be independent in a different way but you know if if we just have to keep highlighting the stuff that they're doing to attack us and our right as we represent the people of scotland then fine if they want to put the final nail in the coffin good let them
0: Leading on from what we talked about earlier with the Daily Mail, you were in a debate on psychoactive substances. Yes. Um, what was your part in that debate? What did you have to say?
1: Uh, well, I was uh, leading for the SNP. But because we are the third largest party now, we get um, a front bench... Uh, person to speak so basically you can speak for as long as you like I mean if I'd wanted to speak for half an hour I could have done I didn't want to speak for half an hour I never actually see the point in that but yeah so I was leading for the party on our stance on the psychoactive substances bill and uh, oh it was really interesting because I mean basically we're largely in favour of it but one of the important things for us and the Scottish government had worked quite closely with the British government on this and they were keen that people who use the psychoactive substances are not to be criminalized for possession and that had been that had been the agreement and that was in the spirit of the bill and and then the minister when he spoke on two different occasions, I heard him saying something about, so if somebody goes and purchases, then they will get a criminal record. So eventually I thought, I can't have this. And I had a look at the the bill and I had a chat with uh, Mike Weir, who's the chief whip. It's really helpful having people who've been there a long time sitting alongside you so that you can ask them questions. And I, and I explained to him and he said, let's have a look at the bill. And what we discovered was there was an anomaly in the bill that said if you went into a shop and bought psychoactive substances, you wouldn't be criminalised because they don't want to criminalise you for possession. But if you buy it on the internet, you will. So I intervened a couple of times on the minister and he initially said, um, no, 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 you've got it wrong and we're right. And I said, well, no, you've got it wrong. because." So it was quite interesting doing that. And then other people from, uh, you know, the Labour Party and even I think there was a Tory came in and said, well, you know, on the back of what I had said, they also had questions to ask. And later on, the minister apologised during the the debate, apologised and said that I was right enough and that they would look at that. So I was pretty chuffed. That was quite, quite nice because normally you just make a speech and they say, no, you're wrong and somebody else makes a speech and they say, no, they're wrong Mm -hmm. as well. I think I've said this before that some of their bills are a bit of a dog's dinner now. I'm not experienced in these things but there are so many question marks and I don't think it's now it went to committee last week I haven't had the chance to find out what happened because I was in my own committee but at the stage when you're debating it just before it goes to committee you should be clear about you know most of what the bill is about and it should just be really amending it but they didn't even have a a definition um, to work with at that stage. And, and of course, they had this anomaly in one or two others, so...
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like um, headline stuff, but ultimately that little change, that little anomaly in there, is ultimately someone going to jail. Yeah. That'll, that'll become law, that'll become yeah. practice, and then at some point down the line there'll be 10 folk 20 folk 30 folk 100 folk in jail because of that so these little points actually mm-hmm. end up as impacting real people's lives so yeah yeah so well spotted
1: oh <laughs> ah, thank you It wasn't i mean it wasn't just me i mean mike was really helpful as well but it was quite funny because lynn brown who's the um she's the mp labour mp for west ham i think it is uh, but she's their front bencher on on this issue and she came up to me a couple of days later and i was sitting in the chamber and i was looking through my handbag and she said oh are you the drugs lady
0: <laughs> the drugs lady oh well, there's, there's the next daily mail headline isn't it? i know
1: i know well that's yeah, what i was thinking you know drug. just as well they didn't hear that and i'm looking in my bag at the time and i said uh no <laughs> and momentarily i got really confused about what she wanted mm-hmm. but she just wanted to speak to me uh, about the bill
0: <laughs> well, i like, that's a guilty conscience son Don't, i mean, like that. <laughs> The death of Sheku Bayou in police custody is still under investigation, you know. but the suspicious circumstances around his death are being kept in the public eye by his family. Um, I know they came down to Westminster, and I think you tweeted about it. D- you know, did you meet them? What did yeah. they have to say?
1: Yeah, I've met Sheku's family a couple of times. Um, Graham, my partner, who works for me two days a week, is part of their campaign to find out how he died. And um, so I've met them a couple of times and they'd been to Westminster before and I'd you know had a coffee with them. So they came to launch their campaign in England and the people from different organizations there and pretty big turnout. And I think there was 10 SNP MPs came along to chat to them and hear from them. They're, they're a lovely family. They're, I really feel for them, you know, because it's, it's um, next week it'll be just six months since he died. And since he died, they've been thrust into this spotlight. You know, they have to. They have to because they have to find out why it happened. They need to piece it all together. Um, but they, f- from my perspective, when are they grieving? When are they getting the time to grieve? And, and uh, they've got to do what they're doing. But I just hope the time comes soon that they've got the space to grieve mm-hmm. because they need to do that.
0: Yeah, it's horrible when, when people in that situation then have to be there, they have to have a fight to get an answer, yeah, and so they're put in a position where you 're right that they can't they can't move on until they find out the truth, and then um, yeah. hopefully they'll hopefully they'll find an answer soon enough
1: I think as well, the most important thing that anybody said in there without attempting to prejudice the outcome at all um was that there were nine police officers who were there when he died, and if nine members of the public had been found standing over the body of an otherwise fit, healthy um, policeman or any person, they wouldn't have been allowed to go away and get on with their lives and chat to each other about what happened. And they have been allowed to do that. They all went back to work. I think there's a thing in England where you would be, suspended without suspicion Mm of anything i'm not sure but it does seem a bit odd like if you and i were found standing over somebody's body whatever the explanation you know we wouldn't be allowed to then go off together and talk about what happened and there's nothing you can do about that now but you know that was the most important thing that 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 i heard Um, but there was so many other There's so much to it. There will be a fatal accident inquiry. Whether or not there'll be criminal prosecutions, nobody knows yet. Um, They just want answers. They just want to know what happened to him.
0: You asked what I can only describe as being a belter of a question. Did I? I think you made a great comment. It was about uh, the Chinese Premier was over visiting and some protesters... Mm and um, some of them got arrested. I'm not going to read the full thing that you said, but there's just one bit I want to highlight. You said, I appreciate that the government are keen to banish human rights protections in this country, (laughs) but is the minister really happy not even to be able to make the same civil liberties commitment as China claims to make?
1: (laughs) I thought, oh! Cheeky. Oof, slap.
0: (laughs) Um, So what reaction did you get to that question?
1: Oh, well, they all started shouting at me. (laughs) this is something that I've discovered, right? So I did the PMQ and they were all shouting at me in the immigration bill committee i said something and about six tories wanted to intervene on me and in that question they all started shouting <laughs> at me but this is the weird thing i have discovered that i really quite like it <laughs> and i'm a really non confrontational person i don't like you know yeah, cannot i be. don't like arguments <laughs> but um but I, I really quite enjoyed that i mean it's true though i mean Not that I necessarily believe the Chinese ambassador, but he did say nobody will be sent to jail. Nobody will be put behind bars for disagreeing with the Chinese government. And yet we jailed three people overnight. Do you know what they did? They waved the Tibetan flag in protest. Yes, but the last time I looked, we were allowed to peacefully Mm -hmm. protest. They put them in jail overnight. They arrested them, obviously. They later went to their houses, searched their houses, took their mobile phones and their computers. And as far as I know, a week and a bit later, they still don't have them back. It's ridiculous.
0: That is ridiculous. Um, when you think of what, there's a lot of uh, criticism about how welcoming Britain was to China. And I know they're <laughs> trade partners and all that. And it's not not to say that you know, realities that we're not going to work with China. Mm. But um, there was a lot of criticism about how fawning we were to them. Yeah. And to put three folk in jail in Britain for waving a flag seems quite disgusting. I mean, people get a bit uptight about the Turkish reaction to their flag, and if you treat the flag poorly, you can get put in jail, etc. Mm. Um, but waving a flag shouldn't be a crime mm. in this country.
1: And also, I think one of them had was a a, a Tibetan refugee He'd come here and sought refuge in this country, mm. and as far as I know has been living here for a couple of decades. But, you know, you don't expect to to flee to the safety of a country that will then jail you for waving a flag.
0: You summed up for the SNP in a debate on Black History Month where you talk passionately about things including the legacy of the slave trade in Jamaica, Scotland thumping England in football in the 1800s, (laughs) and Mary Seacole. Now, I know there's lots of things to talk about there, but first of all, could you tell us a little bit about Mary Seacole and why you said that she's become a bit of a hero for you?
1: Well, um, because I, I like to champion underdogs, and I think you're an underdog if you do at least the equivalent of Florence Nightingale. But nobody's ever told about it. Yeah, I never heard about Mary Seacole. I mean, you know, who was she? Well, she was a Scottish Jamaican nurse who took herself off to the Crimean War to nurse people. She actually applied to be part of Florence Nightingale's team and she wasn't deemed um, suitable.
0: <laughs> so she did it herself she, her 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 whiteness wasn't up to <laughs> scratch. yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty yeah.
1: much what it well, I better not say that actually in case the Florence isn't going to complain in, in case the yet. ancestors, not ancestors, descendants mm-hmm. of Florence nightingale come after me, but yeah i I mean there is an issue about you know you know we have these role models in life i as a white female have lots of white male historical role models i have a few white female ones but you know you're growing up and you're a black child where are your role models i mean it's better now but really there were there there was just as much impact made by black people in our history and we ought to be hearing about it
0: yeah it's like the whitewashing of history that mary Seacole existed she did all mm-hmm. the stuff that she did but mm-hmm. you don't hear about her until now so it's Which not that they, it's not even. that these role models don't exist it's yeah. just that they're, they're never kind of put forward the same way other role models are. yeah you also name checked sir jeff palmer i saw him speaking last year at the empire cafe um can you tell us a wee bit about him and the work he's doing
1: oh can i do it without slavering? sir jeff palmer is my hero <laughs> um i think he gets really fed up with me telling him this there's myself and two other girls um yeah. Seem to be everything he's speaking at and I think he thinks we're stalking him. <laughs> you got
0: a Jeff Palmer t-shirt on.
1: I'm going to get one. Oh, he's an amazing guy. Professor Sir Jeff Palmer, um, Jamaican, uh, came to Britain 50 years ago. Amazing story that I don't have time to tell you, but maybe we should just do a special on Jeff. Um, yeah, wait a minute.
0: You really like Jeff Palmer don't oh, you? I you really love mean... the
1: man. Right, we'll he, wrote a, he wrote a book called Citizens of Britishness and it really opened my eyes, totally opened my eyes to a lot of things about things like, you know, the lack of historical references um, in terms of black people and, and um, but anyway he yeah, so he uh, the other amazing thing about him is he's a professor of brewing science, and so he is an absolute expert in whiskey making and he spent most of his fifty years in the UK in Scotland, um, lecturing and and uh, on how to how to make whiskey, basically. Well,
0: you also—I mean, you didn't mention how handsome he was, but I feel like that was kind of bubbling underneath. I think you think you've got a real thing for Jeff here. <laughs>
1: well he's also um my partner graham's one of my partner graham's good friends um and graham's got a thing for him as well so (laughs) just
0: just a charming man oh he's just
1: he's so he's funny he's charming he's got an amazing backstory but you know i mean i gave him a lift i was at a thing he was at recently just a couple of weeks ago and i gave him a lift um to Queen Street Station. He lives in Pennycook and I gave him a lift to Queen Street Station and we sat in the car for nearly an hour and he was telling me stuff about that I he'd never mentioned before and uh, and I just thought you're just every time I meet you Jeff, you become even more fascinating. <laughs> he's just no he's he's the kind of person that everyone should have uh, to dinner sometime and just sit and listen. Maybe
0: we'll do a Jeff special. He sounds like an interesting man.
1: Oh yeah, let's get him in.
0: If you've been listening closely to the show you'll hear the beeps in the background. <laughs> I think that I think and you've got a really kinda of dodgy smoke alarm. Um I think Natalie McGarry tweeted earlier about yep. the importance of checking the smoke alarm, yep. but I don't know the background to that story. So what is it about it?
1: So well, uh Natalie tweeted today to say to people, she's obviously the Glasgow East uh, SNP MP, she tweeted to uh remind people to get smoke alarm checked. And there you go, it beeped again. Um and she she does it this day every year because this is the anniversary of the day that her brother died in a house fire mm. um and you know it really means so much to her and of course when she tweeted that and i thought oh that's my smoke alarm has been beep beep beeping away i mean it's probably picked up every time we do this uh, podcast because it's been doing that for weeks so Natalie, I am going to get it sorted. I'll get the batteries changed. And also, I would just, you know, urge anybody out there, check your smoke alarm, make sure it's still working. It takes you a couple of minutes, you know, and it's not worth the risk, you know. It can happen so quickly. So please get yourself checked out.
0: I want to give you a really hardball question now, man? Your goddaughter, Tony, made her debut in River City. How proud yeah. are you?
1: Oh, well, you see... My face right now, right, the smile is really hurting me. Right. <laughs> That's how proud and I actually only got to see it today. I've watched I got a wee bit of time today to watch the last three episodes and uh oh she was so good in her I, I know I'm her godmother, but she was lovely and she was so good that I forgot it was her. I just thought it was this wee kid, Ruby. And um, so I think she's a natural. No, I'm really chuffed for her. It's very exciting. And I will watch every episode until they write her out, which they better not do anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so interviewee turned interviewer this Uh week, Jerry. You and Paula have been... um, a bit, a, bit, uh, a bit celebrity. Uh, well, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: it's, been, it's been okay, actually. Um, yeah, it's been I all right. I th-
1: think it's amazing. Oh, you you told me that you did a wee talkie thing that lasted a minute. And next thing I'm seeing on Facebook that you're jetting off down south, you're well, getting photo shoots, magazine <laughs> covers. What's going on?
0: Um, Paul and I did a, a thing for Radio 4. Now, we've been on Radio 4 twice this week. And will be again on Sunday. So the day this comes out, it should be on then. Um, and it was about our relationship. Paula's pa- got a blog and stuff. I don't know if you've oh, seen stop. it. Paula Must Try Harder. little plug there. Is that so, what it's called? Yeah, PaulaMustTryHarder.co.uk I hope it was
1: Paula that named it that and not
0: you. you no, It was um, based on her uh, teacher at school, said that about her, I think it was her PE, that she must try harder. <laughs> so that's what she took on. So she does all this stuff. Anyway, she's been on a big journey with she had lots of anxiety issues and stuff like that. And she kind of turned her life around and radio 4 asked us in to talk about it really just whatever we wanted to talk about and that's what we wanted to talk about so we it was kind of a personal conversation we had in this wee dark room you know it was quite, yeah. quite a deep deep meaningful conversation and of course you kind of forget as you're doing it that it's actually going to go on the radio <laughs> so a f- a quite a few people have done this this thing for radio 4 and we were asked down to london to give a little talk about it so we're in uh, the british line can i just
1: interrupt you there yeah. you say quite a few quite a- quite a lot wasn't it well,
0: uh, yeah there was a couple there was a about 600 or so people have done the project Ooh. and how so, many yeah.
1: got invited down
0: there were four of us paul Ooh. and i and another couple so it was yeah it's pretty cool um, so we're <laughs> in the british library up on stage doing a little little thing getting interviewed by fegal lover <laughs> yeah it was pretty cool and then the next thing we went down to for the photo shoot mm-hmm. was for a similar thing because of paul and i as a couple there's a magazine doing a wee story about us so we went down to london in an artist studio and I was doing lots of awkward poses and lots of like painful <laughs> smiles. You've been smiling for 10 minutes or so something. It's great, love. More, f- more photos, love. It's brilliant. As the flashbulbs are going. So yeah, it's been a busy couple of weeks. And so uh, did they put
1: w- makeup on you?
0: Yes, they had makeup on you. Have me. you
1: taken it off yet?
0: Oh. It's really weird. I don't, know how, I don't know how women do it. I had my eyes shut for like five minutes. This woman was dabbing this little sponge on my face. And then like, I peeled my eyes open. And I looked the same, but just not shiny. But um, I had to get it off. It was really weird. But yeah, it was a cool experience
1: so and what's her website again yeah, uk. right
0: okay
1: well paula is a fab person um how she puts up with jerry i'm not sure <laughs> but maybe if we listen to these wee clips we'll find out so right i'll pass back over to you jerry thank you for telling us about that
0: no problem and it was nice to be
1: interviewed <laughs> <there>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway that brings us to the end of another episode of Parliamental if you'd like to get in touch with the show you can contact us on Twitter at Parliamental Pod, on Facebook search for Parliamental via email at ParliamentalPodcast at gmail.com but if you can't wait and you want to speak to Anne sooner Anne do you want to remind them about your event?
1: <laughs> yeah it's Saturday the 7th of November 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock come for the whole four hours or come for half an hour whatever suits you people getting together it's in the Hag Hill campus of Glasgow North College at the end of Duke Street and it's basically people from different communities in glasgow northeast getting together to tell me what you want to see your community how you want to see it developing in the next five years
0: yep so search for that on eventbrite yep. and please subscribe to us on itunes and leave a review if you like the show Anne and i'll be back in a fortnight definitely a fortnight Anne. yep yep definitely a fortnight with another episode so thanks for listening everyone Bye. thank
1: you bye, bye.